Welcome in to another episode of Sportslandia. Brian Slyke and Ray Bradley here with you. Thanks to the Next Professional Athlete platform. Uh, Hell yeah. Got an interesting episode coming at you today. We're looking at the NFL Combine, some of the uh, pre-draft trades that might happen. I know Ray and I have some uh, some thoughts on that with his team having pick number three, my pick, my team having pick number one, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the court storming issues that are happening in college basketball. Oh, no. A little bit about the NBA landscape right now, now that we're closing in on the final 25 games of the regular season. Look at some MVP odds. Uh, and then we want to talk a little bit about some pet peeves. Relate to the people a little bit. Um, you know, what, yeah. what really grinds your gears, as uh, Peter Griffin would say. Uh, <laughs> or or uh, we also have our nerd quarter coming up as well. Uh, Ray, we I know you're ready for that one. But let's uh, let's jump into the NFL Combine. That is happening this week. That is also kind of the starting point of what trades could happen coming in the NFL draft. I know around this time last year with the Bears having the number one overall draft pick, this was the week that all the magic yeah. happened where the Panthers came up. They traded two first-round picks, second-round pick, and uh, a guy named DJ Moore. Um, and huh. that ended up being another, another pretty, trade with DJ Moore. pretty beneficial, you know. Um, so a lot yeah. of things that could be happening. Uh, I know, Ray, you're, you're a Patriots fan, so we'll talk about the trades coming up. But yeah, any – uh, individuals that were invited to the combine that you are interested in uh, huh. keeping up with to see if their draft stock is going to go up or down. I'm thinking of a wide receiver right now off the top of my head, but uh, I, I want to know what your, some of your thoughts are. I think there's probably a certain wide receiver that's on a lot of people's minds going into this. Uh, yeah, I mean, coming into I mean, it. I'm, with a, I'm not going to the obvious pick. I'm not picking. No, no. Well, okay. Then. McConkie, actually? No, I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> Generating those names on NCAA football on your Xbox? What's going on over there? Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, it's still the quarterbacks. Uh, being in that third spot, not sure if we're – are we taking one of those who falls? Are we trading back? Are we going a totally different direction like a Marvin Harrison Jr.? Uh, but it's keeping an eye on kind of what where, there's, where their measurements come in, who's not measuring in certain things, which is always almost – the most telling of like, throwing. I mean, Kayla's yes. not throwing, Jaden's not throwing, and neither is Drake May. And is that just like a pro day thing where it's like everyone wants to do the full workout in their most isolated kind of environment with their coaches and their receivers? I think that's a little there. bit of it. You know, you, you go and do your pro day, you're working with guys that you've been throwing to for the last, you know, three, four years or however many years you've been at that yeah. school. So you're it's not like, uh, you know, you're having to throw to other receivers that are at the combine that you don't really have yeah. much of a relationship. Guy A, with. Guy B, Guy C. Oh, the post route was off on that. Well, I just I'd never thrown yeah. that guy before. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, I guess it ends up coming down a lot more to just kind of the raw measurements and meeting those checks and passing them, and you know, making sure you don't have like the little Kenny Pickett hands or whatever it might be. <laughs> tall enough to see over the line, the Drew Brees thing, so, or Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see how things pan out. Like you said, nobody's throwing, but it's it's interviews, it's it's trades. It's I mean, having all basically the executives and coaches in Indianapolis for a week or whatever, that's the reason a lot of these moves end up happening when they're just talking in hotel bars and stuff like that. As a, uh, 
as a Patriots fan, your team has mainly been known to trade back. And it's not necessary that they will take somebody at three. There have been some rumors that maybe they go back. Is there a quarterback that you're looking at that isn't necessarily one of those top three guys that might pique your interest a little bit more? Yeah, I've I've kind of been saying this for a little bit. Uh, I've been intrigued by the other Pac-12 guys who are not among the top echelon, the the Penix, the Bo Nix. The Bo Nix, I don't know why I've got a sweet spot for Bo Nix. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued by that. And yeah, I've, I've been saying for a bit, whether it is like I am kind of still in favor of the Marvin Harrison and then pick another quarterback later. The trade down too, though, I, there's, I mean, you're going to get a lot of assets at that point. And yeah. At that point, I would think that's somebody trading up to get that third quarterback. And then, you know, maybe you are getting a Bears deal or some stupid Panthers team comes in. It's like, take our pick next year. It's like, okay. Uh, all right, sure. You're going to suck next year. My arm, yeah. Yeah. Take that extra pick from you. So I, I wouldn't completely be opposed to that. You know, you're just getting more chips on the table with the draft. It's always kind of a bit random. You just want more stabs, more 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 attempts at the target. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by that. We're, we're kind of in a sweet spot where we're, it feels like, I don't know. It feels like the draft, the draft starts at three. It's one of those like, cause well, eh, to an extent, like number one, probably going to be the quarterback, whether or not they trade it to somebody, it's going to be that quarterback. Number two, it's probably going to be whoever that next quarterback is. And then three is like, is it that quarterback? Is it a trade down? Is it Marvin Harrison jr? So they're all options are kind of on the table right now. And it's 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 intriguing to see which way they're going to go, and obviously with the entirely new front office and not even like a legit kind of GM, where we have our scouting guy who's like kind of just in charge of it. I'm in no real, not a long history without Belichick of drafting, so I'm I'm curious where they're going to go because yeah, the trade down was obviously Bill's favorite. Is that still one of the things in their arsenal? Is it just because of where they are? I don't know. We'll see. But you guys are also thinking a lot of these same things as well with number one fields and Caleb and, and the other picks and people coming up. So we're, we're in similar situations. I, I might be in the minority here and I'll, and I'll talk on the bears in just a second, but you know, if I was the Patriots, why not be maybe a little patient? Like there's no need to jump out of that number three spot right away where, you know, say, say there is a little bit of a shakeup and, you know, maybe it's Drake may that is the number two quarterback and Jane Daniels gets taken second to Washington. Yeah. And like, hey, maybe maybe you like Drake May, maybe you don't, and you use that opportunity to maybe trade back a couple of spots, get a few more draft assets. Because this is, you, you mentioned it, this is the first time you don't have Bill. So you're, you're I don't want to say you're restarting this team, you're more retooling and probably going to try to create your own identity. I know that Mayo was there with yep. Belichick, so there's going to be some overlap. But, you know, I, I don't think it would We're necessarily be a bad idea to possibly trade back, still stay within the top 10 and, and get an extra asset. Maybe that's another pick in this draft or a pick in this draft and next year's draft to go along with it. But I, I don't think New England needs to pounce on a trade anytime soon. I think you can sort of let, you know, the number one pick dictate what you want to do, whether the Bears trade that or they keep it and take Caleb Williams. Um, I, I just don't see a huge rush for New England. You've, I know quarterback is a big issue, but you, the can number one. Find, you can find people, um, you know, a, a little bit later on. I, I like what you said about Bo Nix. You know, he's a guy that has elevated himself over the last couple of years. I know the system is a bit different than what he was running in Auburn, and it's a bit more sick. And, um, you know, timing throws, which doesn't always work in the NFL. But yeah, he took the necessary steps that I saw from Auburn 
to Oregon to increase his efficiency from the pocket, cut down on interceptions, and his ability to move the pocket as well. I think that was underutilized by him when he was at Auburn, his ability to move uh, and, mm -hmm. and extend plays and move the pocket a little bit more into his favor when needed to. Um, granted, again, at Oregon, he didn't need to necessarily do that a whole bunch because of how the offense was set up. But right. it's an intriguing prospect. And I think Penix, too, is another guy that strong arm. Obviously, he's got some medical concerns uh, yeah. in New England. So just like maybe that's somebody you take a flyer on in second or third round. It really depends on where he ends up, obviously, you know, if he yeah. even makes it that far. But you know, he proved that he's got a strong arm. I, I think the national championship game was sort of a one-off. We saw what he was able to do the entire season. This yeah. Dunze and, and some of the other pieces that UW had where I'm not necessarily scared of what happened in the national championship game. I think he has also blossomed very well. The Pac-12 was incredible conference this year with quarterbacks <laughs> On their way out, they sadly had one of their best years. They'd have right. a long. It's crazy to think about that this conference just sort of folded because of everything that's happening in the college landscape. And this was probably yeah. one of their best years outside yeah. of a team actually winning the national title, you know, before the college football playoff and everything else like that. Yeah, and still getting there. And yeah, he Penix played really well in that other playoff game. So yeah, there there's not like exactly big stage concerns, but it is tough to kind of, like you said, it would have to be like taking a shot in the second or third. It's tough to put that much capital in somebody's with that medical history at that position. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of feel a little bit similar with Jaden Daniels, not because of an injury history, but maybe because of an, uh, an injury future, because he's, he's, he's just slender and he's running a lot. And he, from what, from the stuff that I've heard, he's not exactly avoiding contact at this point in his career. So that's, that's something, something you can learn, though, I feel like. Do. It is, but it, you got to learn it. And there's still guys in the league now who have never really learned that and maybe can get away with it because they're more physically built like a Josh Allen. But guys like Lamar who are more slender, it's like they're very good at kind of avoiding that contact, that, getting out. That was going to be my, I don't want to say comp, but who I would reach out to if I was Jaden Daniels or, you know, I'm find somebody who. Like, Pardon? oh, he's going out, he's slithering out, watching yeah. his tape, kind of following in his shit. Because, yeah, you. You can't really take that much contact if you're that small. And if he, no. with his speed, he's just going to end up running. So there's some concerns there. But it, it almost, it like you're saying, it's starting to sound like he may jump Drake May and is now in that number two spot because of his athleticism. So um, we'll we'll kind of see where it lands. But, yeah, it's it's shaken up in Indy. Yeah. And, and then, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the Bears a little bit, yeah, we were always talking quarterbacks. I, I mean, I know I was looking at uh, Adani Mitchell, the, the wide receiver from Texas. He's kind of my guy right. that I'm looking at. That and uh, Wilson from Michigan. I think those are two guys that have good size, um, good hands that could help a team at least be a number two uh, at the next level, at the very least, to complement your number one. Or maybe hmm. you have them as your number one to bridge you into the next year. But I think both of those guys could be uh, – Solid NFL prospects, but we'll see how uh, how it shakes out with the draft combine yeah. and everything else. With landing spots, so key for all oh, these guys. It, exactly. So, like those those are two wide receivers that I'm sort of looking at. Running backs is kind of a a crapshoot. You know, that's you can seems like you can find talent just about anywhere uh, in the backfield from rounds one through seven. Um, it's a position that is basically overvalued or was overvalued for a while now, and it's sort of evening out. You're realizing, you know, yeah. only get one contract. You get two if you're lucky. 
Um, yeah. You know, uh, and then you get minimum contracts, sure, if you want to stick around in the league for a bit. But it, it, it does make those running backs you draft, though, all that more important because that's when you're getting that. Like, if you draft that guy in the first, second round or whatever, you're you're using him for those four odd years. So yeah. you kind of do need to nail a lot of these picks. That's where teams end up finding success because, I, I mean, you, you can sign a guy in the secondary market, obviously, but a lot of these guys, by the time they get there, it's, you know, you're, you're, uh, this may be more extreme, but the Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook on the Ravens, it's like, eh, it's a little late for this, but we'll see. I mean, so many miles on those guys from it, even like an Austin Eckler who's going to be a free agent this year. It's like, what's the market for him going to be like? Kind of an undersized, older running back looking for that. I don't even know. This might be his third contract, second, third contract. So I think it's his third contract. Yeah. Versus you just draft a guy in the third round and now you're rolling. And he's cheap and he's team controlled. So. This is the perfect place to find a running back, but yeah, you kind of got to do it. But yeah, like you said, there there may be a lot there. The guy for me is the guy from Michigan, uh, who I already, yeah, just just purely based off the my my casual playoff college football watching, I was very impressed by him. Uh, the big tight end prospect, right, Brock Bowers. Yep, will be there. Fantastic name, tough to beat. Uh, seems like a perfect tight end. He was made in a lab, just based off of that. So. Uh, yeah, I'm always curious what the next big tight end prospect is going to look like, and he's already been getting like some even like top ten hype for the overall oh, yeah. draft. I feel like so that's that's kind of crazy for a tight end. I feel so he must have some hype behind him. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right, well, curious. Don't sleep on the Iowa tight end. All right, Eric All. You know, Iowa's just can't sleep on any of them. Yeah, they absolutely are. Obviously, I don't think I even remember him doing much anything this year. But well, from Iowa, I, I think so. you make a great point. There's always that one sleeper guy that you know, everybody's so focused in on that top player, Brock Bowers, for, for that position is what I'm talking about. Yeah, and yeah. It, it The tight end position is so hard to predict because you're an extra offensive lineman but also an extra receiver, and you have to find good balance. So many guys you see can do like one or the other. And so yeah, most. Multiple tight ends or, you know, you – you got three tight ends on the team because one of them is your pass catcher, but then you got two that you put on the line to block where it yeah. seems like Bowers is a good mix of both. Um, I haven't seen many other tight ends do a, a lot of both right now, uh, but I also haven't spent a lot of time digging into the tight end position. Um, but I, I don't know. It's leading more receiving in past years. I mean, your Kincaid's, your Laporta's, all, all these new guys coming in are, are receivers who play the tight end position. There's not as many uh, kind of big bruising, oh, you got to get this guy because he's the best blocker. Uh, and also he catches. It's definitely I, I like been Westover, basically a receiver. Like The tight end for Washington. Uh, he was injured earlier yeah. this year, but he, he made a couple of big plays in both the semifinal and the finals for the Huskies. And I think he he's a smaller size Brock Bowers. I don't, know if his blocking is necessarily as strong as some tight ends in the league but coaches gave him a lot of praise because of his effort effort is such a huge part of that aspect of the tight end position because you could easily just mail it in and chip block and go out and, and you know yeah. catch a, a two-yard out route whatever you want to do but it like westover the coaches at uw were praising him with his effort uh on the line as a as a blocker and then also his ability to get out and catch passes. He's not the most athletic guy, but he gives you effort, which I think goes a long way at that position. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that's, yeah, the whole blocking side of it is almost, feels like playing defense in the NBA. It's like, yeah, 
I'm going to go catch the balls. It's like, uh, yeah, but you kind of do need to block. It's like, uh, all right, okay, I'll put in the effort and do, do the dirty work in order to get that play action. Or that little, the, the thing that was killing people, I feel like, all year this year was the the block into the kind of late release out yep. into the flat. And then it's just, you're gone. There, We saw that multiple times for huge chunk plays. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it could, could be interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where he goes. I'm curious to see where a lot of those things end up. But, uh, yeah, it's all yeah, kind of beginning. There's a lot of movement over the next couple of weeks that uh, lead up to the draft. There's always and then, speculation. Yeah. Obviously, there's 10 different Sorry. talking heads that put out mock drafts, and yeah. players are going to go up and down. They're going to, you know, suggest trades that probably aren't even, you know, possibly real. <laughs> you know, they're just trying to stir something up and, and get something going. But uh, Yeah, we're entering the silly season, certainly for every – and everybody's making their own mock drafts now, so you got to put a little spin on it, a little sugar. Silly season, smokescreen season, whatever you want to call yeah, it. There's, there's multiple entities out there that are just trying to, you know, get some clicks and maybe, maybe uh, talked about on some of these shows where they, they make the, the bold prediction, the bold move, uh, yeah. take, if you will, whatever. Um, and it just doesn't – how often are mock drafts even on point? I, I think I listened to a podcast with McShay and even Mel Kuyper. They're like, yeah, I think I've gotten the top five picks correct like maybe two or three times. And they've been yeah. doing 20-plus years. Like that, that shows you how just unpredictable the draft is. Yeah, and I mean it's different – it's – 30 plus different organizations going through their different processes of scouting players. And so literally everybody's board's going to be different. There's no real way to nail the mock draft. If anything, I was going to say like the top picks are at least like a lot of times I feel like you could maybe get the top five close to just because it's like, well, these are literally kind of the best players available regardless of a lot of these metrics. And it's going to be quarterback, quarterback. And, you know, by the time we get to the draft, we'll kind of, a lot of in the past, maybe this one's still kind of up in the air, but you get to a point where you're like, it's kind of consensus here, here, here. But once you get beyond that and you're in those mid-teens, 20s, 30s, like it's complete chaos. You have no idea what teams, if that team actually thinks of what you think that need is actually a need or they're going to fill it in free agency or they're going to draft somebody or they're, they are going to draft that position, but it's not that guy. They don't actually like that guy. They like that guy. And yeah, I, the mocks, it's, it's a template. It's fun. There's too much time before the draft, if anything, is what it really is saying. Oh, it's just but, time uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, yeah, with so many different options. I mean, just at this point, it's hard to even get one down because you would immediately have to assume what the Bears want to do. And there's like a whole different, basically like kind of three or four giant different paths that they could take. Yeah, on the Bears. I mean, I've been listening to a lot of Chicago sports radio this past week, and I won't lie, I'm getting a little bit fatigued on, you know, take Caleb or trade Justin. And there's a lot of interesting aspects to it all. They Obviously, they hired their offensive coordinator, uh, I want to say two weeks ago now, Shane Waldron. He came from Seattle. Uh, An interesting chat chat with somebody on Reddit, and it was just like, yeah, Waldron was not a good fit in Seattle. And I was like, ah, fuck. All right. right, This is a good start (laughs) for the Bears again. Um, But the guy did elaborate that it was just more him and Pete Carroll were butting heads and just didn't work well together. But who knows how that is. But my my point to that is, though, they hired Shane Waldron, and Justin Fields has yet to get a playbook, which may not seem – too weird you know you're on the fence maybe you don't want to give the guy that playbook because he might get traded so you know why put that time and effort in but at the same time if you're going to 
keep him around or you're still contemplating on keeping him around, wouldn't you want him to at least see some of the playbook? Like, get into it, get immersed with it. And they just haven't done that. So that's, I mean, you know how I felt. I I would rather them keep Justin Fields and, um, you know, get a few more assets. Um, I think Peter King said it well that, you know, Justin Fields is a B quarterback probably. And what is wrong with having a B quarterback when you can set him up with so many pieces if you were to trade back from that number one spot again? Where you might have a guy who is an A prospect, but he could also not be anything close to what you expect him to be. Like there, Yeah, it's a big swing. It goes with the draft where there's so much uncertainty on how a guy is going to translate yeah. to the NFL. But I, I feel like Justin, he is the the – how do I want to put this? He's the problem that we do know, I guess. Yeah. Where, do you want to take the double or the triple, or do you want, like, the 50-50 on the home run next time? Like, yeah, exactly. similar to that. At least you know he's, like, a quality kind of starter within the league. You can start at that and maybe grow from there. Uh, if if you boot him and go for the home run with Caleb and then it doesn't work, then it's like, all right, well, we're starting again, all over and again. I, I've heard cases on both sides. So it's like, oh, we need to restart the quarterback clock, which, okay. The concept, I, that's I the get. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Um, I'm probably a bit more naive on that situation because I personally don't think Justin Fields has done enough to even get a fucking Daniel Jones contract and, and how high that one is. But with how the market is going, you know he's going to get a contract like that. Yeah. That's just how yeah. it is. Every um, quarterback. Is. It's just like... If you prove yourself a capable starter, the market is just going to kind of continue to reset. It's going to fall. That's why Daniel got what he got. That's why two is going to maybe look at 40, 50 mil, even with some of his injury concerns. Like it's, it's, that's kind of where you're at. It's I'm, I'm not, I'm curious when the next quarterback we see who's going to like not get 30 mil, like 2025. Like I don't don't think you're going to see that. I mean, the cap just went up another 30 million, which was unprecedented. Yes. It went up an extra $15 million than what they thought it was going to. They're still coming yeah, back from the COVID year and everything, yeah, so like that's why it went up so high. But, right. like, god damn, like, those contracts aren't going to go down. They're just going to go higher. Yes. Um, you know, the value maybe is not quite the same, inflation and some of that other stuff. And just, like, the value of a contract from five years ago is not quite what it's going to be two years from now. It's just it looks a lot better right now. Every contract signed that long ago now is like, oh, beautiful. What a, what a steal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's similar to like an Anthony Simons in the NBA right now where it's like they signed that deal three years ago. Now he's making kind of a cheap contract. So, yeah. But, uh, which I, is just the way these kind of go. But it's, yeah, yeah the contract I mean, is a compelling argument for me, but it's, it can go either way. P- Peter King just dropped a bomb, by the way, when he was, basically retiring from Monday morning quarterback or whatever. And he's yeah. just like, I've, I've got no sources on this. This is just a gut feeling that the bears are going to trade the number one pick. Um, I, huh. I'm, I'm for it in a sense. Like I said, you know, you're um, still torn. I, what was that? And you're still torn. It sounds I, like it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm a little bit still torn. I, I think it would be great to, Re-up with some more draft picks. I think that's the best way to build your team. You can't keep filling the holes through free agency. And, you know, yeah. we traded a second for Montez Sweat. So, like, it, it's one pick. Don't get me wrong. So, like, I, I'd like to get some of that back, maybe. Um, 
or, or you know, you trade back from three to make another historic haul, get another first pick next year. Like Peter King made up something where it was like you could get first this year, first next year, second next year, and something else. I was like, that seems yeah. pretty damn high. Um, I know it's the number one pick, but it also depends on like where you're coming from. You know, if you're coming from 12, yeah, I'm going to try to fleece you hard. If you're coming from yeah. three, like New England, I'm just throwing out a team, you know, it's probably not going to be as steep because it's an immediate turnaround from one to three. Like that's still pretty high value where moving back from one to right. 10, hmm. you know, I'm you have to give up a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah, I'd give you, I'd give you three and not a first round next year. No, well, no, no. I need something else. To <laughs> anything that. other? Anything other than that? I would actually be fields? intrigued. I'll give you. I'll give you Fields for no, another three. Take a chance on Caleb at that point. I. Don't, well, I. I just the, the Fields. I can't, especially with our the, the contract makes no sense for our timeline. Like it just doesn't. What, We're what's up... the cap situation for New England? Like the Bears have all the cap space in the world, especially with the cap going up. So like that's why the contract doesn't necessarily bother me with Justin. And everybody's saying, oh, we need to reset the contract. Like, I, I hear you. I, I understand your argument, but We're just, that's a lot of space I want, right now. I would like a longer run-up before I have to decide if I want to pay him with, with the fact that we're sort of rebuilding, retooling right now. It's like, I think that's a little too immediate. I, I, I would imagine our cap space situation is all right. I, I haven't looked into it too, too recently, but we don't have that many big money deal guys on this team, really, uh, outside of a couple defenders. Um, Nobody really on offense, so I we could absorb that. Like it is possible, but if if I'm if I'm right there sitting there, I would probably just take the swing on Caleb for our timeline rather than immediately jump into it with Justin. And then there's expectations, and then he needs to still play well. But our team isn't really set up to support that. He would have such dog shit weapons compared to even what he had in Chicago. Like there's no DJ Moore and yeah. the Patriots, Devontae Parker and Juju. So you're you're in trouble there. It's a tough spot to, to be in. I mean, if you're the Bears, like, a, it's not an ideal situation with Justin. I feel like had this coming up been Justin's third year, I think it'd be easier to move him because once you trade him, the team that takes him on, you almost have to immediately pick up his fifth-year option if you really believe in him. You have to do that this offseason. Yeah. So that's sort of where, you know, the Bears are not in an ideal situation. I don't feel like they're necessarily in charge of the trade market for Justin. I think other teams get to dictate that because they're the one that are going to have to figure out yeah. if they want to pick up that fifth-year option so soon. Because they, it's, they're basing it off of what he did with the Bears. And so it's just like, yeah. do you have enough trust in him? It's not like you have him in your system for a full year, then decide. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to see, I don't know, what kind of team would even, or what timeline would fit Fields well if there's a team out there like, I think you had mentioned a couple times Atlanta potentially. Yeah, Maybe Atlanta be- was one. I, I know like uh, Fields went on the St. Brown podcast uh, last week and he talked about Atlanta. He didn't necessarily seem enthralled with going back home. Um, I think it oh. seemed like there was more distractions with going home. His first line was, oh. uh, you know, Atlanta would be, be fine, I guess. I'm paraphrasing, but it was just like so many people hit me up when I'm in town and it's just like, I could definitely see that being somewhat, uh, I don't want to say an issue, but maybe more of an annoyance um, when playing at home and and for everybody. Everybody constantly trying to hit you up in your DMs or hitting you up with a tax. I need tickets. Can you hook me up with this? And it's just like unneeded distractions, I guess. Yes. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, I just at least that that team probably wants to be good right now, and they've got some offensive players around them, but they need a quarterback. It's it's not a long list at this point, or, or maybe it is, but then most of those teams would rather. I mean, there's three top quarterbacks in this draft. Most of these teams would probably rather just take a shot on one of those guys. It's just a matter of, I suppose at that point, it is a matter of the price you're paying because the price for fields would probably be cheaper. Like maybe yeah. it is. No, like it the, definitely would be cheaper than trying to trade up and get like the number one pick yeah, and trade up with Washington or even New England. Yeah, that that price is like probably multiple fists. Firsts, maybe fields is like a top second rounder and a player or a couple yeah. second or something. I don't know. So that's it's intriguing, but it's all it's all going to start at the top. It's all about the quarterbacks and the carousel, and then I feel like after three things will kind of calm down for a bit, and then it'll just be where I mean, from a quarterback's perspective, where do those kind of Pac-12 guys land? I uh-huh. do you have any interest in the Michigan guy? I kind of have already written him off. I don't know why. Uh, I, I'm not really intrigued it, by JJ. I, I think he's done nice things at Michigan, and you know he. I didn't see a ton. Yeah. He benefited from Jim Harbaugh just being a really good quarterback whisperer. I mean, everywhere yeah. he's gone for the most part, he's been able to yeah. develop. I know it took a little bit of time at Michigan, but he finally got somebody to work with that was more athletic and could throw a ball. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't it know. Also that he had Andrew Luck when he was at Stanford, but I think Jim Harbaugh, he's a guy who knows the position. He played it in college, played it in the NFL. Like, what other person would you want to try to help you develop? I think JJ, it's really going to depend on the scenario that he lands in. I don't know if he thrives. Yeah, there. I've been hearing him connected to Denver in a lot of mock drafts, and I don't know if he thrives there. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. You know At least and you that's, just, that's just one one team. Yeah. That is one team that you know I had heard that he was linked to. I mean, even with like Oakland, I don't know if that's necessarily a good fit. And that's mm. a team that's probably desperate for a QB. So I wouldn't be surprised if they. You know, yeah. Reach. And try to get one. I think they're fine with Aiden O'Connell being their backup for a long term, but yeah. he's not going to be their starter. And so I, yeah, I, I see the Raiders they're... trying to make a move to come up and take possibly a JJ McCarthy, but I haven't seen anything that necessarily blew me away as him as a quarterback compared to some of these other top prospects at the moment. Yeah, he, he hasn't quite been on my radar of guys. That would be the one where if we end up like trading back and picking him, I'd probably be the least enthused of of all of those options. I would uh, say that your first year is going to be a big learning curve. Um, you know, uh, probably a lot similar to this yeah. year. I know it's not, uh, not the norm for you Patriots guys, but well, it may, know, may, honestly, it was way back in the day before my time and it may now be in the future. Uh, it's very possible. Yeah. I think AJ is probably, that's probably the line where I would start thinking about fields instead. Like I would, I'm intrigued by the top three guys and those PAC 12 guys. Outside of that, I might start uh, asking around about fields. Could you see I, New England? I still love them as a prospect. You want who as a prospect? I'm sorry. I still love, I still love fields as uh, a. Yeah. Could you see a, a moment where possibly New England trades back from that number three position? Yeah. Get picks back and then possibly trade your second round pick or oh, something for fields. Those for him. Pick yes. Up a receiver or something. Yeah, that, and that, that way you still get you probably get a first round pick from just trading that number three pick. So you're not yeah. losing a first round pick. You'll probably pick up a second, so you'd have two seconds, correct? Yeah, yeah. And those so are you could possibly package one of those into trading for Justin. It you know if it comes to that, if you pass up a quarterback number three. Yeah, if we were able to still get one of the t- kind of top receivers of the class, and then 
trade for field. I think that would be intriguing. I would be into that. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe. There it is. All that matters is the quarterbacks and our teams. I think we nailed it. Well, yeah. <laughs> for us, that's a, that's a big problem. I don't think uh, I've ever had a, a quarterback that I truly believe in yes. uh, in my life. At least you had Tom Brady for 15 years that you were a yeah, fan of the Patriots. I had that one guy. He was pretty good. Yeah. You're talking about Brian Hoyer, right? No, Ryan Mallett. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Jacoby Brissett, big fan, big Jacoby. fan. First of all, Mason picking up Jacoby in our fantasy league. That was a eyebrow raiser for me. I, I was a bit confused. I don't even know where he's signed right now. He'll get, he'll get picked up somewhere. I don't even know if he is signed right now, but I feel like some he will. He'll be a backup up. somewhere. They always I always thought he was. I always kind of thought he was better than Jimmy G. I never understood the hype when we had Jimmy G. He sucked. Yeah, well, Jimmy G's career trajectory he, has not been what I don't think anybody years. expected. Yeah. Um, from being a second round draft pick. I know he made a Super Bowl, but he had sure. a lot of pieces to help he him out. One Super Bowl. He, Super Bowls? Well, Maybe just the he's, one. He's won a Super Bowl with the Patriots as a backup, and then he went to yes. the Super Bowl as a starter with the 49ers. Yes. Um, I, yeah, what do you I, do with those rings as a backup quarterback? That's so awkward and weird. Yeah. I like, don't know. You, like, you he, that's when this. you say, like, I was on a team that won the Super Bowl. I didn't win the Super Bowl. At least, like, uh, like last year, Chad Henney. Had like that one drive where they, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, so he can at least be like, Hey, I did actually help us do this. Every other time, it's just like, Who are you again? What is your job here? Like, how dare you? But like, it, I would feel so weird with that ring. Uh, that would be, that would be very strange. But I mean, I, I would cherish it. I'm go. sure you got great memories when you look at it and everything. But yeah, it's not like, uh, I was the Super Bowl champion. I was the reason why, you know, we won or I contributed heavily in our victory. Um, yeah, you know, there, there could be small ones where it's like, hey, you know, I picked apart something in our in in the tape room, and here's what we looked at, and it ended up being a sure. play that worked for us. Sure, this guy, I keep everyone happy. I, I bought the orange slices at halftime. Yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's there's ways to contribute outside of the field, but yeah, I got, I, I got the donuts on Monday morning when we come in to watch tape. You know, don't worry yeah. about it. I got it, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, all right, I take it back. Well, give, it, give him a donut ring or something, a ring pop. That might be more apt. I don't know. You, you don't get the the one that has like a thousand diamonds. You get the one that has like fake diamonds. Yeah, that that's the one you get. That's what it is. Um, let's let's change it up a little bit. We spent a lot of time talking about the NFL now that that season's over. But one of the hot button topics this past week is court storming in yes. NCAA. Um, that's an incident. You know, this is something that uh, was brought up probably over a month ago now, by Matt Painter. He sort of predicted this whole thing going down. Uh, after their loss to Nebraska, it was their first road loss of the season. He talked about, hey, something needs to be done here. People are going to get hurt. And since then, Caitlin Clark has been run into by somebody storming the court. We had Kyle Filipowski this last week. Uh, you know, yeah, he got ran into uh, after the Wake Forest win and, you know, John Shire was pretty heated about that. The head coach over at Duke, and um, you know, I wanted to hear what your perspectives were on court storming, and I'll give you some of mine. Yeah, uh, I mean, you see it happen, and it's pretty insane and chaotic and scary for athletes, and you know, even some fans alike. Um, but to go as far, it is such a cool and unique thing to college sports that doesn't really exist anywhere, adds so much to the atmosphere, and as chaotic and crazy as it can be, can be one of the coolest things when it's like dramatically actually worth it and uh, not worth it, but it justifies it when there's that big upset. I don't know. I 
to say that we should completely ban it, I think is a bit rash. I think I think there's options. Like the thing that we I talked about with some other of my buddies um, at Oregon, they just have like a grace period, basically. Like I th- I think it's like five minutes after the game ends, and then you can storm the court. Something like that seems like a very simple solution to just get the large. I mean the the visiting team, the losing team, whoever it is to get them out of there and on their own little area, at least just in the locker room or something. So they're safe. And then everybody can come in and like, yes, it is naturally like a chaotic kind of thing where there are chances people get hurt. To be fair, this kind of happens. Like, I don't know. This happens, it, it's happened at least a half, uh, more than a dozen times per season, like a dozen times a season. And it's like these two things have happened in the last five years. So it's like, I, I get it. This guy and his player and he's mad and he's going to yell about it. And fair, there probably should be some things. I just think, I think there are some like actual things you could implement into this before you go to absolutely not allowed. Um, but I will say it's annoying when I don't know some a twelve seed beats a two seed and they storm the courts. Like guys, that's not this is not what that's for. Because this is yeah, that's that's a little different. Like when it comes to tournament time and everything. Well, yeah. I, I'm cool with court storming. I think certain schools and institutions have prepared themselves. For such an event, um, yeah. Even the interview I listened to with John Shire, he talked about how, hey, they lost at Arkansas early this year, and Arkansas was ready for it. They had security on the floor. They roped off the Duke bench so nobody could get over there, and the players were able to get off, and and it was fine. Like I, I think court storming has a place in college basketball because you know it's not it's not just about the team that just won in that aspect. Like don't get me wrong, obviously it matters what happens on the court between the two teams, but. The memories, you know, how often do you, like, get to storm the court? I know at Central Michigan, we never played anybody good enough on our home floor to do that. And I'm sure yeah. Boise State was probably something similar. You know, maybe you beat New Mexico because they were probably ranked. I don't know. But, like, those are memories that stick with you for a long time, I feel like, if you're a part of that. Um, yeah. But there's also a, a safe way to do it. You know, that Wake Forest one, there were people running on the court before the clock even hit zero. Like, yeah, that's, you had zero time for any of those Duke players to make a move to head to their bench or get off the court before people were even running on. Like, you got to have at least a full 30 seconds, maybe a minute at least, yeah. to let the opposing team get off the floor. Um, yeah, it's know, mad. I've heard speculation that the Kyle Filipowski injury, it, it went from a calf or ankle to a knee to he's somewhat fine. He's just bag of ice now i don't know what the total deal is it's i feel like his diagnosis has changed multiple times over the last week but right what'd you say right no yeah it sounds like it sounds like it. yeah so it's just like you know i i think a lot of people make a stink about it uh because it did happen and it's happened to two higher profile players caitlin clark and kyle filipowski over the last month and a half or so yeah Um, but it's not a normal thing like how often do we see court stormings happen and almost nothing occurs um i, I mean i will say there, there's two sides to it too though i mean we talked about it in one of our first podcasts uh but caleb williams when he lost notre dame and you had the notre dame kid come up to him and it was like oh what about your painted fingernails now and what yada 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 at least you know don't be a dick about it um you know like, yeah you should be celebrating that your team won you don't need to go and you know, throw it in the guy's face. That's just asking for trouble. That goes into the, I'm okay with actually punching a fan if you're being that big of a of an asshole. <laughs> you know, like, you came on their field at that point. That's on you. Yeah. 
Hey, even when in that Boise State game, when I was at Boise State, I always defended LeGarrette Blunt for punching that player in the face because he was being an asshole. <laughs> he he yeah, walked up to face, you know? was right like up in his face and laughing at him, and it was like, "Yeah, you're that's LeGarrette Blunt." <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck around with him, uh, and that's been my guy ever since. But yeah, it's I think there's there's mechanisms that they can have. It's largely kind of like making sure the security is on point in a lot of those situations, which it can be lax in some college landscapes. I think. I wonder if both... that comes down to some budgetary stuff too, you know? Yeah, um, I, I mean, like, listen, we, we, we work at UP, so obviously we see security around for, for our games, but you know, say we don't know Gonzaga, you know how many security people are there? There's definitely not enough to stop Russian One students. On three or four floor. kind of, yeah, it's not going to happen. And they're not quite equipped to physically sometimes either. So Exactly. Like, you know, they have to pay for security. It's not like security is free. So, you know, it kind of depends on that. I don't know if maybe you you bring in a bit more security when you bring in a more high profile team just in case something does happen and you got to be prepared for it. But um, some of that goes on the administration, too. Like there there has to be somewhat of a universal plan. Obviously, some conferences have, um, you know, ways to deter you you get fined if your court is stormed after a big victory but a lot of institutions don't care it's such a big win it's like yeah we'll pay the fine it doesn't matter to us it's all fun and games at that point yeah i i hope that there are some i think the grace period thing is just a simple fix yeah and then it's like and you know there's ways to enforce it with students if they're going early or whatever it is we've got enough cameras in all these places now to identify students and places and come back around and find them later tisk tat whatever you want the university to do so uh, i hope it sticks around it's it's fun but it is kind of a chaotic moment that can go astray when it's in these situations where it's not kind of handled properly which we mm-hmm. have seen unfortunately recently yeah I, I, you're gonna need it from both sides both teams administration i guess three sides because even the students too you know it, it really goes yeah. the way around like you're not hoping for a loss if you're a coach, but you have to realize that if something like this is going to happen, your guys probably have a bit more pep in your step. Let's get moving. Um, so, so we yeah. don't have any issues like that. And then administration has to be prepared with security and then students like, God damn, show a little patience. Uh, I know you're excited and everything, but it goes back to the wake forest. Like the clock didn't even hit zero and you're already running onto the court. You're asking for trouble in that sense. Yeah. And I, I think that's how, like, I, I was listening to a pod this morning about it, and the NBA basically banned it, like, in the 80s because they had a couple incidents where fans were literally, like, kind of leaking onto the court with, before the game had ended. And it, they very quickly were like, all right, yeah, this is not happening anymore. But that's, yeah, that's that's why it's even more special in college. It's the only place where that happens. Like, that's not – and so, yeah, I hope they don't take it away. But obviously there's uh, some cracks in the wall that they need to deal with as well. I'm sure that's something that'll be fleshed out over the next few months and going into the next college basketball season. And guess what? It's still not going to be fixed because I guarantee you it'll happen next year and somebody's going to have some type of complaint about it as well. Yeah. Hopefully nothing bad happens is all you can really hope for, but it's, it's part of the game. I don't know. I don't, you don't want to lose it. No, I, I think there's too much excitement that goes along with it. Um, you know, it's just, I think about if I had the opportunity to do it, like that would be a once in a lifetime type thing where it's just like, oh my gosh, like we beat the number three team in the nation. Our team had never done that. And then like, I was in yeah. for that and everything. Like, 
even the most, I don't want to say innocuous, but like Central Michigan, when I was there, they had a guy put up 50 points. Like that hadn't happened. Like that was Ooh. cool. I remember that, you know? And, and so like that is a cool memory to have where, and that's not even court storming. So I, I think it has a place in college athletics. I think that's just part of the college landscape. And I, I don't see a way of getting rid of it necessarily. Um, you know, like I said, finding only does so much. Teams are way more into the publicity that they get after getting the win against such a high caliber opponent that yeah, you're okay, you're on that fine. Yeah. And even if you even if you, you come out and you're like, All right, we're banning it, it's like, well, I mean, the next, well, what happens when yeah, Central Arkansas beats Alabama and they students just run on the field like it's just it it could still just end up happening so i think they're you're better off policing it than you are completely banning it yeah but any we'll uh, any other thoughts on uh your thoughts court drumming? all right <laughs> so the other thing we have going on state of the nba we got 25 games left now basically or roughly Here we go. you know Here after we go. the all-star break uh, which is also yeah. a, a weirdly timed all-star break, by the way. Not not even nearly close to halfway through the season. It's like it. past halfway. Um, I like it. I like it as someone who works it because once because it's like I think if it was halfway, it'd be like oh, all right, we're halfway. But we get here and we get through it, and it's like oh, we're it's actually just like a home stretch. Like we're just sprinting to the finish line now. Yeah. Like yeah. twenty-five games, two 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 months, not even. It's it's a grind, but it is. I think it'd be worse if you came out of it and there were still 42 games. <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 think that'd be a tougher. I, I listened to a podcast with Peyton Pritchard on it and uh, he, he just talked about it. So, yeah, honestly, the worst part of the season is like the week and a half before the all-star break. Cause you're already past yeah. halfway. You're tired, your dog, yeah. like you just want to break right now. And, and then it comes like three weeks after the halfway point. So like you have almost a full month before and, yeah. yeah so, so, like you said, it's more of a sprint once it comes down to the end of it after the All Star break. Yeah. And we are we are sprinting. Uh, we absolutely are. Yeah. My Celtics are top of the East still, holding strong, looking good. And then the West is like these two young guns are kind of at the top right now with Minnesota and Oklahoma City, uh, with Denver kind of just peeking over the corner behind them, and the Clippers there as well, who've seemed to find a groove despite uh, all appearances otherwise of what that team might look like before we saw them play. Um, but it, it is kind of feeling like those are some of the main teams we're going to end up talking about. I mean, Milwaukee's still hanging out there in the East and figuring out things with Doc Rivers now and Dame and Giannis, but they're, they're still kind of lagging behind. Maybe New York can make a big push with OG and Anobi and all that. And, uh, and then you have Miami as well, who are, always going to kind of be the killers in there. So it's, it's rounding like Miami out. Has almost perfected the, we, we do enough to make the playoffs. Under the radar. We can flip a switch once we get there. Yeah. Cause they've done it's it the scary. last few years, like from the bubble season to, to last year or whatever, two years ago, whenever they were in the finals, I can't exactly remember. It was, it was last year. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah, uh, they, they have, and they got, they got my guy, Terry Rozier at the deadline the former Celtic legend. So mm-hmm. I'm really already not looking forward to any kind of series with the heat. I, they were in Portland last night playing uh, the Blazers um, and, you know, be, beat them rather well. Um, but yeah, they 
they they got a squad. They got pretty much the same team, and they still got scary. Now they got scary Terry on top of it. Uh, they lost Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, I believe. But they've kind of already. I mean, they got Tyler Hero back now, and Duncan Robinson's actually playing well for them. So they're still going to be a threat. I mean, honestly, they're like kind of the team I'm the most scared of. Miami, as as a Celtics fan, they always are because I I'm just not. I mean, I don't I don't know if Joel Embiid's coming back with the Sixers. I don't actually know if he'll be back in time for playoffs, but we've always had a pretty be- decent time beating them as mm-hmm. well in their, in their current construction. Uh, Milwaukee, we've beaten at their peak, and now I feel like with Drew Holiday on our side and Dame on their side, I kind of like some of those defensive matchups a little bit better for us. I was going to say, the, the Milwaukee Bucks give me the biggest question mark. I know they boosted their offense by bringing in Dame, but – um, yeah, I, obviously we're Dane guys, you know, we both live in the Portland area. You obviously yeah. worked with the trailblazers, but yeah. he's somewhat of a defensive liability at times though. So like he, he doesn't get back yeah. and, and, Absolutely. and it he hurts Milwaukee a lot. Um, and, and so I'm yeah. not as high on Milwaukee as I'm sure some people are. There's just a lot of concern I, I with agree. that team, especially with, I don't want to say it was infighting or whatever, but whatever was going on with the coaching situation, wow. that was so bizarre that yeah. the, yes. the switch halfway through, I think you, you had single-digit losses at that time. Like, your team was obviously doing something right. You were winning games, and then right. you feel like they you had to fire Adrian Griffin just out of the blue and hire Doc Rivers, who, um, you know, I know Doc had success with that 08 Celtics team, but it's not like he's been pushing teams to the finals. He's had a lot of kind of high-profile fall-aparts in the playoffs yes. since that 08 Celtics run. Like, and I mean, this has been in the discourse recently too, with JJ Reddick kind of no, coming back no. at him. He, he's he does make a lot of excuses about those runs, and you go back, and he's like, "Well, this, this, and this, and this, and I didn't really lose this one." And it's like, "All right, you, you like you are losing a lot of these three-one leads. I can't really." And yes, a lot of these teams have been chaotic. Whether it was like the Donald Sterling Clippers or like all these James Harden teams he had to deal with, but you're still the coach there, and it's. You gotta get your guys ready to play, especially in the playoffs and losing those leads. So I, who's who's to say it doesn't happen again? I I don't know, but the, the play, I don't know. The Celtics can I, have handled. Can I say them. something that might be a little controversial? Maybe he's just yeah. players don't respect him as much as media do. Like playing for him, you know, everybody talks so highly of Doc and what he's been able to do, at least from the media perspective. And I know he's a good yeah. coach. Obviously, he wouldn't be in this position. I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but maybe his players just don't necessarily buy in with him or they see something in him that the rest of us don't because they're with him every day. I, I don't know. You know, it this seems is like kind of the feeling that I get though, is there's discourse yeah. between the team and him because uh, possibly something that he's doing. It seems like a pretty, he's got a pretty short cycle with teams. You know, every team kind of has a point where they tune their coach out. I feel like. See the NBA uh, version of Jim Harbaugh. He wishes. He fucking... not, not as much success as Jim has had, but the burnout, you know, the quick turnaround. You know, he never spends more than five years with a team, except for Michigan. That, eight years. But yeah. He left after getting the title. Yeah. I, I I don't know if it was as much burnout with Jim Harbaugh as it was like he wanted more power from ownership. I, I don't know exactly. Um, but, I, yeah, the, the Doc Rivers thing, it's uh, – yeah, I, th- I think he has a shorter cycle with these teams. And how much, you know, for a while there, he could kind of point to that 08 Celtics run and be like, guys, I am I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm saying. Look at here. 
we're a, we're kind of a little bit removed from that 08 Celtics title now. We're oh, yeah. over over a decade out. A lot of these players he's playing, he's coaching now, probably weren't don't really remember that title run quite as well, except for when they watched it on on their couch when they were like six years old. So mm-hmm. uh, I wonder how much that's kind of getting through. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. The thing for me is like def- I think Dame defensively is going to be a, a, a problem for this. He's going to have to show up big offensively because they are he is going to get hunted in every playoff series because he I, and I maybe not everybody knows that everybody kind of knows this but he's been hiding on the kind of whatever you want to call it less relevant Blazers teams in the past but he is absolutely a liability on defense in every sense of the word so and he's at the point of attack so mm-hmm. they had, and when they had Joe Holiday they were able to build everything around that defense and kind yep. of build off of that and it's not quite that anymore that's why they had to trade for Patrick Beverly and it's like he and Dame hate each other so I I don't know that is a very complicated team they have a lot of pros who want to win but I've the Celtics have kind of handled them in prior configurations that I thought were more difficult so I'm not terrified of that team like I said I'm the heat I do not want to play in the east I think other than that the Knicks would be like kind of a tough matchup but they've been able to handle them the Cavs have been on a insane heater with which I don't know how much is legit or not so and they totally fell apart last year in the playoffs so i'm not sure how legit i can really trust them with things are there any the teams that time. would be in the play in that give you even just a tiny bit of concern the only the ones that i mean i don't the hawks just lost trey young i don't even know who the 10 seed is going to be at this point oh yeah but for me it's like the the pacers and the magic i think i just think they're such young teams right now that they're not quite there or they mm-hmm. may be a piece of but those are the teams I think certainly like like next year I think those teams are going to be even better. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton's getting better. They got past Pascal Siakam now on them. Yeah, uh, Siakam trade I think is a big one for him. I, I think that helps them inside get, so much. Yeah, you you need a guard and a forward, and you need that kind of tall guy, small guy, inside outside kind of threat. And if those are your two best guys, that's usually a good thing. So I I still think there may be a little bit of ways, but that that team scares. And then the size. That Orlando has with Paolo and Franz and all these guys, uh, if they can kind of figure out some things and maybe add one more piece as well, I think they're they're a scary team for the future. But as for right now, they don't necessarily scare me. It feels like it's setting up for the Celtics, but the Heat are also right there. I think that's the one that scares me. I, it it still is, and in the West, it's I it's a total crapshoot. I still it's hard for me to bet against Denver and Jokic, uh, yeah. but it's not wide open. I mean. Certainly, like like Timberwolves and Thunder have been playing great. They're just so inexperienced. And then, for me, the Timberwolves thing—it's like there's still a big Rudy Gobert playoffs thing that yeah. is that I circle every time and go, "Well, they did. He did this for five straight years with the Jazz, and then every time they'd go to the playoffs and they'd put their center on the three-point line and they'd lose. So I, it feels very like manageable to kind of coach your way around him. Um, but maybe maybe that's different. Maybe having Ant Edwards there changes things. I don't know. They've got they've got a good team. Like they've got Mike Connolly as a steady hand and different shooters and different defenders like Jaden McDaniels. But Cat and Gobert is still the thing that worries me about that team. And it, you can't really get your head around that without them playing well. So I don't know. Uh, they, they're top of the West right now. We'll see if that holds. But to me, it's still it's hard to bet against Denver and then the Clippers. It certainly feels like are going to be a threat just because they just 
they have so many shot makers and they get good shots at ends of games. And I don't know if the James Harden choking can even affect them that much because he's like their fourth he's best like player. Option. Yeah, he's not even their top option. He's a facilitator. It's not even like last year where it's like, well, the Sixers need him to get to 12 assists and 20 points. It's like the Clippers don't really. Like Norman Powell can have 25 points for them. And if James Harden has goes two for nine and has nine assists, they probably win a lot of those games. So uh, they're they are a little bit scary. They're I don't really like their new logo and redesign and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I will say, jerseys I thought looked good, but the logo itself was I didn't really fuck with. Uh, well, but, I'll tell you uh, this: I saw I saw renderings of their logos, their last redesign, and I think this one is better than their previous redesigns uh, or thoughts yeah. of redesigns before their current symbol right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's very possible, but. Yeah, it feels like they're. Uh, it feels like the those top four for the West are pretty solid. The Pelicans, I just I don't really buy it. The Suns, I don't really buy it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. I think it comes down to the top four teams. You know. Uh, well, I was gonna say this. These play-in groups are much more fascinating. Like I, I have much more faith in the Mavericks, the Warriors, and the Lakers than the Pelicans, the Suns, or the Kings. I feel like like I. Like you can't really count out the Warriors or the Lakers, even as much as I would like to. Like mm-hmm. you just can't. Um, and then uh, the other team I said I already forgot. I mean, has Luca, so he's yeah. he could easily win a series on his own. So those the, the playing yeah. squads are almost scarier than a lot of those middle teams. Those the Kings kind of took a step back this year from what they were able to do last year. Um, yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what's happened with them because Sabonis is playing out of his mind. Yeah, he's still playing great. You still got uh, Aaron Fox and. He's leading guys. the league and he's leading the league in triple doubles and double doubles. Uh, and I, I don't know if it is just like it kind of feels like they play down to their competition sometimes, or they're always just in close games every time. And Keegan Murray has been very up and down, and they do kind of depend on him for scoring sometimes. So when he's hitting, they're great. But like he had a stretch this last two weeks where he wasn't really even getting above ten points. At that point, that's kind of hard. But yeah, yeah, they still, they've still got Malik Monk, but defensively, they just don't. He, as well as Sabonis has played defensively, he's still not really kind of living up to that end of things. So, like, as good as they are and as much scoring as they have, they let the other team score as well. Yeah. So they're very prone to kind of being beat on these one-off random nights. Like, the night before where they played Miami, they uh, – ironically, they – I mean, they were down, like, 20 and then came back and almost won and almost got there. And then, bam, hit a couple shots and they closed them out late. So they – yeah, they've been pretty up and down. And I, I – it seemed like after that series last year against the Warriors, they would take a big step, but they just, I still just think they need another piece and they yeah. have not made any changes to this team really at all. Well, they for just basically they run it back and go right uh, back. Other to than, they were. Yeah. Other than the Halliburton Sabonis trade, they have not really made many changes to this team other than signing Monk and drafting Keegan Murray. But it's like, I just, I just feel like you've, if you upgrade that Harrison Barnes spot, who's been there forever, if you can get some kind of piece there, some extra defender, extra score, I don't know what exactly it is, maybe a rim defender, somebody to put next to Sabonis, some, something like that, maybe you'd have a better chance. But it, it feels like they're kind of stuck in the middle right now. And if they end up like playing the Warriors again, I'd probably pick the Warriors, pick the Warriors again. Like I, And they've gotten more contributions from Kaminga, and Steph is still Steph, and... Clay is Clay on some nights, and Draymond's been better uh, lately with a better attitude, at least. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it's 
the West is much more wide open. It's all over the place. It still feels like I'm, I'm, I guess if I had to predict the finals right now, I'm still, I'm, I'm leading Denver, Boston. Um, but I, weirdly, I feel better about Denver, but the West is a lot more volatile as well. So I don't, yeah, I, I can it, definitely see the West is beating each other up and, you know, classic yeah. pack 12 football, you know, <laughs> just yeah, beating each other up and ruining football. odds for each other. Um, yeah. And, yeah, no, I definitely see that happening with the West, where the East just kind of seems like it's Boston's to lose right now. Um, it does. You know, looking good. at some of the MVP odds yeah. right now in the, MV, uh, in the NBA, excuse me. Jokic? Jokic uh, is currently leading. You got Embiid, and then you got SGA, Luka, and Giannis. Tatum That's is the also guy. there. Um, you know, it's, I think it's SGA. I actually – I think he has, uh, other than Jokic, I think it's SGA. He's got a very strong case. This team should not be this good right now, and they're super young, and he is just always going at the other best player on the court, whoever it is. So, like, even this Minnesota team that's doing the same thing, if you want to make, like, an ant kind of argument, it's like, well, this team is, like, set up for this kind of run a lot more. They did the Rudy Gobert trade. They have Cat. They have Mike Connolly. Like, they've... They actually have invested a lot more into this team, and the timeline makes sense. Whereas Thunder are still like two years away, and yet they're going to have fifty wins this season. So, I, I I'm compelled by him, uh, but I, think I would it's not be, be tough for them in the playoffs. You find if Jokic got it again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Jokic got it again. I like what you're saying about SGA and the Thunder and what he's been able to do to help lead that team. Uh, you know, come playoff time, though, I have trouble. Believing They've that Chet is going to be like their number one inside, and he's going to yeah. be focused are... on a lot more. The NBA regular season is so different than the playoffs uh, because teams actually oh, walk yeah. in; they can actually set up how they want to play yeah. you defensively instead of you know worrying about the back to back and everything else oh, like I that. It. Where I, as much success as the Thunder have had this year, I find that their youth. Yeah, will probably be an issue with lack, of, lack size. of size. Or and when I say size, it's not height. I just mean like bulk. Um, you yeah. know, yeah, they still string bean. You know, they they're literally all of their guys are like string bean lengthy guys. Yeah, but they don't have like yeah, like a, a uh, no. Uh, I was gonna say Kendrick Perkins, but now he's taking on a different connotation. Well, I mean, like, you're just going back like to KD and Westbrook yeah. under there. You don't have a big chunk a big chunky guy that can actually like stand up to somebody if like LeBron's barreling down. I mean, as it is right now, uh, I guess, well, I don't know. They play the eight seed, but uh, so yeah, they may end up, or I guess it would be the seven seed. So they may end up playing the Kings, in which case it's like, actually they might be okay in that sense. They that might be able to get one. I mean, Sabonis might get a thousand rebounds, but they also <laughs> might be able to score enough on them. I don't know. Or they could end up playing the Warriors or the, Mavs, it's like I think the I think the nightmare might be like a Lakers matchup for them just because of the size. But even then, they they're they're youth and athleticism. They may just be able to run them off the court. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm intrigued. I don't know. It, it does feel very matchup dependent for them, especially just because they are a very all of their guys are a very specific type, and that works against other specific types. But if they get in the wrong matchup, uh, they they may be in trouble. But yeah, it's just so inexperienced. It's hard to really pick them to like go to the conference finals or go to the finals right away when it's yeah. like, I can't even believe they're here right now. They, they kind of should be more in that spot where the Kings are. It seems like based yeah. on their timeline, uh, more on the rise instead of being at the top already. Yeah. 
based tied for first in the conference above the defending champs. Like that's that's why the MVP case I think is kind of strong for him. Just because mm-hmm. it's like how the hell there's not many things you can point to other than him of like how are they doing this right now? This is insane. Uh, so it's it's intriguing, but yeah, it's a uh, things are heating up post All Star break, post trade deadline. We'll see how things go. I will say the only thing outside of these playoff teams that I even care about is uh, Victor Wembanyama's just in- incredible to watch. This guy, the stuff, the stats that he puts up are insane. He always has some one highlighted game where it's like that's not technically possible, is it? And then he just does it. So he's been he's had. Well, a five, he's had multiple five by fives. No, he had a five by five, and then he, he had was back to back games. I think he was one short of a five by five. He may have done it again recently. I don't know, but I know he missed it and then got it. Oh, okay. um, that was quite impressive. Yeah, him, him and Chet both are kind of setting a lot of metrics as far as like rookies with 150 blocks and 75 plus three pointers made, and like and 150 assists. And it's like they're yeah, they're, sure they're sure going to be the NBA is though. It's like. Defense yep. inside, shooting threes, just yeah. But that, to that's get how the to game is, who can accumulate blocks, assists, and three pointers, it's like that person kind of has to be the complete package at that point. Yeah. So it's kind of insane. He's been awesome. The team around him sucks though. But in the future, I can't wait to see him. I'd love to see like him match up with the Thunder in a matchup for the playoffs. Like him versus Chet for a whole series would be awesome. Those guys yeah, already kind of hit each other. It feels like so. Any more matchups with them, I'm I'm happy to do. But that's really the only thing going on outside of the actual standings. I don't, yeah. I mean, the Blazers are doing stuff, but it's you know, it's it's going fine. Things are happening. It is development. You know, they're, they're trying hard out there. You know. Um, yeah. Most. Any final thoughts on the NBA? Uh, Jokic is still awesome and probably is going to win MVP. Yeah. Yeah. That will not be bad. No, I won't. I, I know, obviously, there's going to be that voter fatigue thing like it was last year when Embiid won. And, you know, it's kind of who's going to take it this year. Yeah, I think we all know that Jokic is probably the most dominant, complete player. Yeah, he's the best player on the planet. Yeah. Um, it, like, did, it did seem like Joel actually might win a, win another when he was on because his scoring was just on another level this year. But... With the injury, I don't even know if he'll really come back. So well, I think he's I think already missed different. too many games to begin with. There's so that, yeah. They, you got to make so many games to be considered for it now. They changed that rule. Yeah. 65 or 70 or something, I forget. Yeah. I think you need to play is that, just all, is that just all NBA All-Star stuff, or is that also MVP? I, I, I guess was, I, I thought that was like MVP postseason award stuff. Maybe it was everything. I know it was for like all NBA teams and that kind of stuff, but. It may have also been for all, all awards in general. I wouldn't be surprised, which is kind of a bogus rule, to be honest. I don't know if that one's going to stick around because it immediately is kind of being proven faulty, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, proven faulty? We'll why, why do you say that? Well, just because it's like it's actually kind of a – it seems like a very high mark. Like it seemed Joel was – before he was gonna, getting hurt, was probably going to miss that mark just because he was resting on different days. So it it – it seems like a very high mark for some of those things. I mean, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if anyone else will fall below it. I guess that'll be a good, a better test, but Joel was already in danger and he was just kind of like regular. I mean, he rests more than most guys, mm-hmm. uh, but he wasn't, he, it was, it was going to be close. So I'm curious if they'll reevaluate that at all. It just seems like kind of an unnecessary metric to me. Like we can usually tell for ourselves they, whether they played enough. They didn't do it to punish the players. I think it was more just to, 
getting more engagement from players, take less rest yeah. days and it's, play more. Like it's it, it's weird because the it's NBA is such a it's like in the players' hands right now for the most part, where they're kind yeah. of dictating what goes and what doesn't, and the NBA is trying to force their hand to get you to play more and. It's it's a weird dynamic between those two, the higher ups in the NBA than like the players association slash players. It's different yeah, than it, any other sport. Yeah, because well, the the players just have actually have power. negotiating power within the NBA, which they do not in the NFL. They don't really, yeah, in the MLB, NHL. There's just too many players, but with with five players and you have, make that much impact and that much monetary impact on teams and franchises, like you actually have negotiating power when you're the NBA PA. So they actually can be involved in these decisions. Um, so I'll be curious where it goes, but, uh, but yeah, the season so far has been, has been pretty good, but it's, I'm excited for the playoffs. That's when things will really kick off and it'll become a whole nother game. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know we're kind of running up on time. You want to nerd corner it or do you want to pet peeve it? Uh, up to you. Peeve it. You got, you got any peeves on the top of your head? Um, yeah, I got one. Well, I just hate tutorials and video games. Oh my gosh! That... Yeah, that's the worst. Well, okay, because I this uh, Helldivers Two is real big right now. I don't know if you've heard of this or seen this. Is that a, is that like the space uh, trooper one or something like that? Or my I... Starship Troopers? It's like Starship Troopers, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Very much, yeah, fighting for democracy, killing the bugs kind of thing. Yep. Uh, it, it's a big game right now. It's just like squad-based third-person shooting bugs. So I hopped on to play with a friend the other day, and they had and they dropped me into this tutorial immediately. And for some reason, my, my fucked-up brain is like, as soon as you put me in a tutorial, I am just mashing the button and keeping my head down and not learning anything like i immediately i'm like get me out of this fucking thing i don't want this i hate this okay and then i get out and i'm like how do i play this game <laughs> well, i feel like most games are i don't understand how to change weapons controls. i mean like they, you know you're right are, are, gonna be shooting your left stick is moving you your right stick changes the camera view like well, i thought so too but then it turns out in order to like order a gun in this game you have to like type out a whole dance dance revolution up up down left right up down left right and then it'll like send a little pod to the planet and then you can pick up your gun and i forgot what the button was to even call it the thing so i couldn't get a gun so i was just running around like an idiot that can be frustrating. Uh, yeah yeah but it's like it, it's partly my own fault but it's partly like I, these bone dried tutorials every time i'm in there i'm just like i'm not learning anything i want to get out of here get me out of here you can't be teaching me that much or it takes up the first, like, 25, 30 minutes of you playing a game. Like, I liked yes. Ghost of Tsushima. I really enjoyed playing it. And walk like, you in the there. the first 25 minutes, it's just sitting there learning button by button. Just like, all right, a lot of this I could probably yeah. figure out on my own. That's. I just want to learn. I, I very much would just rather learn on the go. Like, when I golf, I don't really hit a bucket. I just go out on the course and kind of figure it out as I go. So it may just be the way my brain is wired, but... Yeah, and the bad tutorials as, as well, especially, because then it's just like, you're wasting my time. I'm not learning anything because this is so obvious already, and I can't actually play the real game until I get through this. So I don't know. That was that was the one I experienced this week for sure, where I was just like, God. And they're literally all like, well, can you join our game? Can you join our game? I was like, I'm in this tutorial. Like, it's a stupid thing first. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely one I experienced this week. All right, yeah, uh, I got a couple. One of them uh is just 
ESPN Plus. You're just on my shit list right now. Uh, you know, we we work in the sports broadcasting industry. Uh, we made the switch as a conference to ESPN Plus, and here I am finally getting notes and feedback on demos and stuff. It's like, all right, we need this game tape, and, and here, uh, yeah, they don't they don't hold on to your game tapes as we were told. Uh, so they, they, they hold it for 30 days, and then once the 30 days is by, they ship it out of the system, and it is just gone. Um, yep. So every, yeah. every volleyball game that we had this past year and the first two months of the basketball season, gone. So we were kind of lied to. So that's kind of my pet peeve right now, just people following through with what we were told uh, and not not following through. That's um, half the pitch. It's like, oh, all your games will be on here. It'll be great. It's yeah, like, no, you can go back, watch it whenever you want, download it whenever you need. Right. No, wrong. Within a month, gotta and read the I, small I talked to I talked to somebody online for thirty minutes trying to figure out, like, hey, like, what can we do here? Is there any way to go back? And I was, nope, just kind of shit out of luck. Sorry. And I was like, cool, cool. This is this is awesome. So great. that's my first pet peeve. My second pet peeve is people who take rec league basketball way too seriously. I ref basketball. Uh, I ref a lot of sports uh, over on the Nike World Headquarters campus, and Ugh. I've had basketball for the last three weeks. And let me tell you, my mental state of just refing those basketball games awful. Hate it. Every every oh ref, where's the foul on this? Foul on that? It's like, well, I'm one ref when there's usually three refs to a basketball game, so I'm not going to see everything. And yeah. Second of all, if you want me to call fouls, I could basically call foul on. Every single play, it's rec league basketball. Everybody's fucking hack a shack over here. And yeah. listen, I'm I'm trying to keep game flow going. Also, man up, take a little bump, will ya? Not complain yeah. about it. Like this is normal basketball, but everybody's expecting a foul after every single possession. It's just like just grow the fuck up, play the game. <laughs> this is a corporate environment. You guys aren't even playing for anything. It's not like you win a state title. You you Come get on. bragging rights within your own company, like. And it's rec league basketball. It's rec league. Come on. Like, yeah, don't take it so serious. I had one kid yesterday. Oh, my God. I'll never forget about it. It'll, it'll be burning my brain forever. He, like, went to go drive in, got into the paint, and then goes up for a shot, ran into his own guy, and then yells, fucking foul. <laughs> As if I was going to call that. And I was like, you ran into your own guy? What are you <laughs> And so I called him. I, I pulled him over at halftime. I was like, you ever pull that shit again? I'm just going to kick you out. I'm not dealing with that. So I am I, my my pet peeve is very high right now with these people in rugby right, basketball on thinking they're in the goddamn league um, and just you're not you're not damn just stop Telling complaining about these be happy you even get a referee and uh, yeah that's my yeah. that's my pet peeve that's my pet peeve wow 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 I wonder if there's another podcast somewhere where some other guy's pet peeve is refs at rec league basketball. Not taking it seriously enough. <laughs> but the worst part is, is like I, I tell him before every game, I go, hey, listen, I'm by myself. I can't make every single call. And I'm also yeah. not the world's greatest ref. All right? Like, I'm limited but, in what I can do. I know that. But I don't need dude, to hear you chirping at every single this is the, this, They didn't hire a pro ref for this. I apologize. It's, like, This is what we're at. You're like, not in the league. I, I get paid fucking nothing, really. Come on. <laughs> like, and you're going to give me shit? I'm just you're here to help you guys that. run your league. Like, yeah. don't 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 give me lip. Don't give me attitude. I, I called a foul yesterday, and then the one guy was complaining that I didn't call the foul. I was like, I literally blew the whistle. 
eight other people on the floor heard it. Like, what are you complaining about? He's like, oh, well, I I didn't know. I was like, yeah, well, you're prematurely complaining about getting a call that I already called. Poor refs. This this is why, yeah, I don't know. Like, listen, if this was like college (laughs) level or NBA level and I'm not doing a great job, sure, you know, give me shit. That's my professional job. Yeah, it's actually your job. Like, I I get asked to come in here for, you know, these games, two, two games a day for this week or whatever. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's when I come in and like my, my knowledge of sport I think is pretty good, but I have only one set of eyes and I also can't see through eight people in the paint to Uh, see you get hacked on the other side. I just can't see it. Can't see it. If I had two other refs that get all the angles, sure. You'll get the call, but it's one dude. And it's just like, the worst part is they're like, oh, well, it's like, I know you're by yourself. It's like, well, if you know, then shut the fuck up. Yeah, what? Like, yeah. You, you know we're already behind the eight ball on this one. Like, we can only call so much. You, you obviously see I'm by myself. You acknowledge it, and yet you still feel the need to, to bitch and moan and be the Welcome peanut gallery. So, yeah, yeah, my pet peeve yeah. is, is take it easy. It's rec league basketball. It's not the end of the world. For some, it sounds like it may be. That's that's wow stuff. Yeah, I, I refed a flag football for like little kids back when I was in high school, uh-huh. and dealing with the the fucking parents oh, was the worst. The worst. So I, I I totally get where you're coming from. That's usually why I end up kind of trying to defend the refs sometimes when because it's it's always the easiest thing in the world to just scream about the refs and galvanize your whole fan base, but. I don't know. A lot of the times I'm like, well, I don't know. Was well, that a foul? I don't know. Well, you, you and I have heard, uh, well, you've heard Jen and I talk about it on the air. It's like, man, I would not want to be a ref in this game right now because of how physical it is and things no. left and right. And just like, it's, it's not a fun job. Like I don't, no. I don't envy anybody who has to deal with it. Like Shantae's hotheaded, love his energy. Don't get me wrong. But like yeah. seeing Shantae get a full head of steam and just, what the f- are we doing? Yeah. Like, how did you well, miss just, that? It's just like, no. Nah. The way of officiating and playing off the officiating has kind of evolved in basketball with the head fakes and the Harden rules and the every the Damian Lillard kind of stuff, the pull-throughs. So there's there's like a whole game within the game of just tricking the refs and not even really playing for the foul rather than yep. playing ball. So I absolutely would not I have want people to be in- a anywhere. Yeah, the amount of times that I have people embellish like getting – pushed in the back on a layup or anything like that. I was like, dude, yeah. I, he didn't even touch you. He was next to you. I watched yeah. it the whole time. And then you flop it's... and you're going up in the air because you're expecting him to touch you. And he didn't. Yeah. Or I, got go, I got people who go straight up and they're like, oh, he's in my way. I was like, he's just standing his ground. He's going straight up. He's in the defensive position. What do you want? Or people who lower their shoulder and they're asking for contact. It's like, you created the contact, not the defender. Well, I don't know well, what you're well, trying well, to get here. What? Why can't I get away with it? LeBron gets away with it every time. Oh he just puts the shoulder down, goes into the paint, and they get the foul. Yeah, well, you're problem. also 5'7", and he's like 6'2". So, you know, wow, what, what are you going to do? I'm talking about in our rec league, obviously. Are you about Bonnie James, or are you talking about someone in your rec league? It's hard to know. What was that? Uh, Bonnie James, is that who you're talking about? He's he's, he's about that size, too. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's definitely that. that that's why I don't think mock drafts matter. You know, all this talk we had about mock drafts, you know, they don't really matter. LeBron said they don't matter, so I don't care. Hmm. I don't care anyway. Yeah, 
yeah. definitely wasn't specifically about his son or anything. No, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. I didn't get a notification that the Raptors well, were right. interested in, in scouting Bronny James Jr. He's didn't like, get, didn't get that. He's like, why you got to do this to these kids, man? They're just playing basketball. It's like, dude, LeBron, like, this is the fucking business. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, as, as if it's changed from when you were in high school. Like, yeah. Like, so maybe you don't remember. Sure they you, were doing mock drafts for you, too. Like, that's just part of the business. Yeah, but those mock drafts had him at number one, so those were right. Those were good mock drafts. Oh, okay, yeah. Not not late second-round draft picks? No, no, no. Those guys don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, any other uh, final thoughts? I figure we'll probably save Nerd Corner for, for next week since we yeah. debuted a new segment called Peeves. Um, it. Yeah, we peeved it up there. Yeah, we did. I uh, got a little more animated than I would like. My Sounds bad. like you needed that one, yeah. I, I did, I did, dude. I needed to vent a little bit, you know. I just, <laughs> whew, it is not not a fan of some of these people. And you, the, and, yeah, you need to start so, calling flopping on them. If they're going to embellish, just be like flopping. Other team gets a shot, and they'll be like, "What?" Then they'll all that'll stop. You'll really put a stop to it. Yeah, you'll curb their enthusiasm in that sense. Is that a phrase? Yeah, that, I mean it's a <laughs> show. show that's I'll count it. It's a phrase to me. Good show. Well, final yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, final season. Ha- haven't seen the final season yet, though. Final season. They seem pretty adamant about this one. The last few, they yeah. left it pretty open. And this one, they seem pretty sure on it being the I end. don't know. The show died, or it ended for five years. So I'm at this point, I will see. He could come back again I mean, again that's happened a couple it. times with that show. Like, they'll yeah. take like two or three years off and then come back. And kind of, I mean, yeah. Most of that show is all improv. It's not even like he writes out the script. He just has an outline. He's like, all right, this is kind of what the scene's about. Let's go. Yeah. You can literally see, like, his his buddy will say something, and he'll just start laughing in the scene. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I love it. That's great. Yeah, another successful episode of Sportslandia. Look at us. Yeah. Getting through it. Uh, Obviously, we've got the combine coming up. So once that's done this week, we'll talk a little bit about that. Hopefully, there's trades. Maybe a couple trades made in the NFL. Could be, could be one of our teams. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, could be one of our teams. Uh, obviously, the NBA is closing in on the final few weeks of their regular season as well. Yeah. We'll talk about that next time around. Uh, and yeah, so that wraps up this episode of Sportslandia. That's Ray. I'm Brian. Thanks for tuning in on the Next Professional Athlete platform, and we'll see you the next time we see you.